All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Can you see did you know Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice, it on the
Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation presented by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. Be sure to head over to ZephyrEpic.com right now to get all your Pokemon, Magic, Hockey, Basketball, Baseball, whatever cards you're looking for, Zephyr Epic has you covered. Free shipping to anyone in Canada with orders over $50. Just be sure to use our promo code Hockey Season, all one word, Hockey Season, capital H, capital S. That'll get you $5 off. Nice little uh, little boost here from the boys of the Canucks Conversation uh, and Zephyr Epic. So um, I've been diving into the card market. I think I talked about it on last week's episode. I, I just got them in the mail. So I have in front of me now, Quads, four Nikita Triamkin rookie cards. I've cornered the market. So I might as well bring you in to, to get your point of view on this. Uh, David Quadrelli, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, Chris. I'm doing very well, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump away from your Triampkin talk because we did that last week. You already, you already told everybody you cornered the market. Everybody gets it. You're the Yolevi. You're the Triampkin collector. You could probably add that to your Twitter bio if you want to. But I'm gonna point to something else. One, one like set of cards that I really like. Allen and Ginters from Tops. I think I've shown you this, Chris. I have a Bryce Harper rookie card in that collection. I, I don't think it's worth much. But I bought it before he got Rookie of the Year. Like, I bought it on Amazon the year before he won Rookie of the Year. Or maybe he won MVP. I can't remember what Harper won. But I remember buying it before a major award was announced. And it went up in value. I I got it right before he won the award. And then it went up in value, like, a day later. So, I was pretty pleased with that one. That's probably one of my... That's definitely my favorite baseball card that I own. But, yeah, those Allen and Ginters, they're, like, hand-drawn portraits. You look it up. They're they're pretty nice-looking cards. I I really like them. And that's what I'm looking for. You can use promo code HockeySeason to go get yourself some of those at ZephyrEpic.com. Maybe I can get a hand-drawn Nikita Triamkin card somehow. But, no, I've seen that Bryce uh, Harper card over here. Hey, since we're on the topic of Bryce Harper, before we get into hockey talk here, and we got a great guest on the show this week, we'll get to that in a minute, but how old were you when, when all the Bryce Harper hype was going out? Like, do you, do you remember when he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated at 16 years old? Like, how old were you? Do you remember that at all? Well, Harper was drafted in 2011, wasn't he? From where did he go to school? I don't. Or was it Vanderbilt? He went to school. I can't remember where he went to college. Uh, I but... don't think he went to college. I think he was playing um, high school in Las Vegas. Or some prep yeah, school okay. in Las Vegas. Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Because remember he got that question? He got the uh, question when he was in Toronto. They asked him what what his favorite beer was, and he was like 19 or 20 at the time. And the right. PR person for the National stepped in and was like, ah, he's not answering that. And uh, he was just like, that's a clown question, bro. And the guy was like, yeah. well, it's legal in Canada, or whatever it was. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's how I remembered that Harper was under 21 when he played in the league. Um <laughs> Do you remember the hype, though? Like, the hype was crazy. They had that one video that went out where, like, it was him walking to the one home run that he hit, where he hit it, he walked from home plate, went to the fence, jumped the fence, crossed two lanes of the highway, and then went to the other side of the highway and showed where the ball landed. Like, do you remember that video? Because, like, that was like a... Man, growing up, yeah. So it must have been around 20... Probably 2007 or 2008 when that came out. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, and he like was showcasing this one home run that he hit that was like over 525 feet or something that he hit when he was 16 years old. And he like walked the lady who was report- like re- like doing the the interview with him, and he like walked her as far as the ball went. And I was just thinking, like watching that, I was like, wow, this guy is gonna be very cocky. And uh, it definitely it definitely played out that way. He's a pretty cocky player, as we've seen in the MLB. Yes, he is. has has a child now. Got married. has has a kid. Wow. Uh, which is good. Good for him. I don't know. Have you seen photos of Bryce Harper when he was like ten or twelve? Have you seen what he looked like? 
Yeah, they had a lot of these uh, pictures and videos in the in the YouTube clip that I saw. It was like the it might have been a thirty for thirty. Now that I think about it, but I know that he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Yeah, yeah, no, he was he was he was a big boy. He looked like he was wrestling bears before he came up to the plate, which is what I often say. Uh, I would think you were doing if I saw you play at twelve. If you matched up against dad, me when we were both twelve, Bryce Harper's dad was shredded too. He was a big guy with like yeah. you know, dad strength. He had the dad strength for sure. All right, let's uh, let's move on from this. I didn't. <laughs> I, it's fun. It's like it would be weird if like we planned what we were going to talk about before we go live. Like maybe we should start doing that. So we don't open a Canucks show with Bryce Harper talk for five minutes. But we got a a lot to talk about. Obviously, the Canucks are coming off of a 3-0 loss at the hands of the Ottawa Senators. Um, You know, tough game to watch. Tough game to write about for me on the post game there. Um, But it almost felt like, you know what, what this team has gone through, it almost feels kind of hard to knock them, right? Like this... This was expected in Game 1 against the Toronto Maple Leafs. It just happened to show up in Game 3 against the Sens. Yeah, I think the Canucks were running on adrenaline those first two games. You know, after Ottawa, I believe it was Thatcher Demko that said most guys still aren't at 100%. So, you know, expectations were low coming back, right? And those two wins against the Leaf, you know, I gotta be honest, saw a lot of people, myself included a little bit, start to talk about playoffs, and okay, there's a legitimate path here, and if they just sweep the Senators, then they control their own fate, and all this other stuff that was said, I didn't think, like, okay, with those four games, I know Highest Night's 2020, I thought for sure they were gonna lose at least one, maybe two of those games, but if they lose all three, or, or if they lose all four, or three of these games... I don't think anybody's really going to fault them, Chris, because it's just, you know what they came back from, you know they were running on adrenaline those first two games, and now they still have that very, very compact schedule. I don't think it's going to be kind of something that you hold over the players' heads if they don't make the playoffs after this, you know what I mean? They didn't pick the schedule. They were able to push the schedule back and get a little more time to be prepared, which absolutely helped, especially against Toronto, but it's still many, many games in not a lot of time. Yeah, and I mean, you're starting to see all these new bodies that are getting filtered into the lineup as well. Like, it's it's not like the team just came back and was the exact same team. I mean, they lost Jordy Ben, who was playing in their defense core. And, I mean, I'm not saying that they could use him right now, because I think that they can use the draft pick that they traded for more going forward into the future. But you just see what they're playing on defense with Jalen Chatfield coming in the lineup and Guillaume Brisebois coming into the lineup and Alex Edler now out of the lineup. It's... You know, you kind of miss Jordy Ben in a spot like this. And Adam Gaudet's not here anymore to help secure up some bottom six scoring or potentially hop into a top six line on the wing. Now you're getting these different guys thrown into different spots. And I kind of wanted to start right there because Matt Highmore, Matthew Highmore, I'm going to call him Matt Highmore. He's played two games for the Vancouver Canucks now. In those two games, he's at his average ice time, 14 minutes and 49 seconds. That's a decent clip for a guy. I mean, that's that's just 20 seconds left than Niels Huglander has played since the return from COVID. So Matthew Heimer getting close to 15 minutes a game. What do you think of that over the past two games now? Well, first of all, that's season high for Matthew Highmore. I don't know if you mm-hmm. caught that, but he did not play more minutes than he did in his Canucks debut all season long with Chicago. I've been impressed with Highmore, man. Like, okay. He clearly has that motor, right? And he has that compete level. He just doesn't have the skills to go with it. Like, you know, Adam Gaudet has the natural goal-scoring ability. He's got the hands. He's got the skating. He's got all this. But he didn't really have that kind of... I get... Like, I don't want to use the word drive and use a cliche, but... Really, it's, it's that drive you see with a guy like Tyler Mott. It looks like Matthew Highmore has that. Now... Tyler Mott had some natural goal-scoring ability in college, and we're starting to see it come through in a bottom six role. I don't think we're going to see that 
with Matthew Highmore, to be honest with you, but, like, okay, you, you watch him play, and, you know, the motor's there, right? And he wants it. But you also kind of see, and I know it's only a two-game sample size. I've been impressed with him. I'm not trying to rag on him. I'm just saying it doesn't look like he has, you know, the ability to pass the puck super well, ability to shoot super well, the ability to get into the right spots very well in the offensive zone. I just, I... I need to see more from him, obviously, but make no mistake about it. I'm impressed with Matthew Highmore through his first two games as a Vancouver Canuck. The only thing that I'm confused about is why he's in the top six. I, I thought that yeah. he's been playing some pretty good hockey. I thought that he's looked fine in the Canucks lineup, but, you know, I guess I guess looking at it, like looking at the players in the bottom six, who's the other best option, right? Is it Jake Vertanen? Is it Jimmy VC? Like, they've tried both of those guys. I mean, not VC for a ton of time, but, you know, Jake Vertanen's for sure gotten his opportunity to play in a top six role. So Highmore slides into that line. He ends up playing on the second line in the most recent game against the Ottawa Senators. Kind of gets shifted around a little bit. We obviously saw the, the lines go into a blender in the second period against the Senators, and who knows what happened after that. It seemed like, you know, he just, lo- you know, Travis Green just loaded up the lines with Brock Besser, Bo Horvat, and JT Miller all playing together, and then just kind of let the chips fall for everyone else. I mean, we saw Travis Boyd playing second line center and getting a lot of minutes in the third period. Niels Huglander playing a lot with him, and, you know, Matthew Highmore was the other guy, right? Like, he's the other guy who ended up getting in the lineup quite a bit, and I. I initially thought, like, seeing Matt Highmore be on the top six line to start the game when Brendan Batchelor tweeted out the lines for for the Sens game, I thought, man, that's that's not a good spot to have Matt Highmore, right? This is a guy who who is brought in from a trade, so obviously there's a reason why the Canucks wanted to pursue this player. You know, there there is an effort level, and I agree with a lot of what you said about, you know, Highmore is definitely a high-energy guy, and I think that he brings a lot to... To probably a fourth line, right? That's kind of what we heard from the Chicago folks who we talked to about Highmore was like, he's going to be a guy who can kind of just be like that 13th forward, right? Like he's a guy who slides into your fourth line. I've liked that he's been out killing penalties with the Vancouver Canucks ever since he got here. And he's been doing that alongside um, Brandon Sutter, I believe, actually, while Tyler Mott's yeah. been out. So, so you know, that group's been good. And, and like I said, playing almost 15 minutes a game, he's actually second on the Canucks in expected goals for per 60 um, since returning from COVID. So that, that number kind of stuck out to me quite a bit. Kind of shocked me, to be honest, because I didn't feel like Highmore was sending a ton of pucks towards the net, but he seemed to be getting into good positions to create goals. So maybe maybe I had a little bit of an overreaction when I saw Highmore in the top six. It just, at this point in the season, I didn't think we'd be talking about Matthew Highmore playing in the Vancouver Canucks top six. The Vancouver Canucks' is top six. That, that just wasn't on my bingo card at all. So I think it kind of shocked me more than anything, but I do agree with you, like, he has been solid. He's looked solid, I think, so far. Okay, I want to ask you a question. Because I, personally, I don't think this is the case. But do you think him looking good has anything to do with the fact that he didn't actually catch COVID and he was healthy through this all and a lot of the other guys weren't? Do you think that has anything to do with it? Because personally, I don't. But I want to get your opinion on it. I mean, we've seen the players come back and... And, you know, Tyler Myers goes out, skates 26 minutes average over the three games. Yeah. Quinn Hughes is 24. JT Miller's over 22. Like, these guys have all come back and not really been as affected as I think a lot of us have. But now you look at Tyler Mott, right? You know, Travis Green told us this yesterday that, you know, the, the reason Tyler Mott's not in the lineup right now is because of certain things that have come from him contracting COVID-19. Like, that's still keeping him out of the lineup, so it's going to affect him quite a bit. But, man, yeah, like... You would think he'd be fresher than everyone and maybe his lungs weren't affected as much, but it seems like the rest of these guys, either they're just battling it so hard and not really showing it, 
or or what's going on but like they're back and and these guys are playing back to regular minutes it seemed like it didn't take very long for them to get to that point and I was shocked by that I thought that we wouldn't see JT Miller over 22 minutes per game or Tyler Myers over 26 minutes per game like he's been an absolute beast for the Canucks and safe return from from their COVID break so I, I don't know I don't know if it's it's because of that because these guys have kind of bounced back quicker than I think a lot of us thought yeah, that's that's kind of my thinking as well, Chris. Is listen, listen. I know I I'm speaking for you here. I know both of us. We we're not trying to like disrespect what the players went through. Like we fully fully respect the fact that as Demko said, multiple guys are not at 100% yet. We we fully get that. I'm just saying that what they're actually putting out on the ice, I don't think looks like an environment where everybody's playing so poorly that it elevates Matthew Highmore's game that's just not the case for me like that when I look at it I don't think that's what you attribute Highmore's success to I think it's just he he is just playing well and I think you're gonna get that from him um it's a little more consistency actually I think than you're than you're getting with Gaudet so kind of the way I guess that I'm looking at it and this is my two game scouting report is that Gaudet was kind of a middle six winger couldn't really play in the bottom six couldn't play anything resembling matchup minutes couldn't kill penalties but it kind of looks like with Highmore that they're gonna try to use him in that situation like he's a true bottom six player it seems like and I know this team has enough of those but he's a good bottom six player I think like he has the motor and I think when you're constructing a bottom six, that's kind of the first thing it looks like you need to target. You know what I mean? You don't want you well, don't want guys really. that are kind of just floating. You know what I mean? The first thing you want to look at is probably salary, and I think the Canucks fans have learned yes. that over the past few years, and, and Highmore does fit that pretty well, I agree. I mean what they're doing on the ice. Their salary doesn't show on the ice. Could you, Wouldn't that be awesome, though, on the TV broadcast if it just flashed over their head? You know how they do the, the player tracking or whatever and they showed it at the All-Star game? If, if everybody was just oh. skating around and it showed their cap hit above their head and Poor you Louis. see Louie floating out there with $6 million above his head and no. <laughs> Pedersen flying down the wing with, like, a K at the end of it? Oh, <laughs> man, that is just... Th- th- make it happen, NHL. Make it happen. Yeah. That wouldn't be great. I want to touch on a few of the other players because it feels like what this team is kind of being held together with is, you know, Mark Michaelis's, Jace Howerlux, Travis Boyd's, like wave the waiver boys, right? Like the waiver wire boys have been holding this team together moving forward now. And it's it's kind of interesting because what you just brought up with with Highmore is the fact that he checks a lot of boxes for a bottom six player, and he was able to be picked up very easily I mean I'm sure Chicago would make that trade 10 out of 10 times to get a shot at Adam Gaudet and see if they can release some of the potential for him I mean it felt like this is another player that you probably could have picked up off waivers if the right situation would have fallen to you Uh, I think that Highmore could have been there for for any team to really pick up from waiver wire if it would have happened that way but speaking of waiver wire players you have Travis Boyd you have Jimmy Vc. These guys are kind of holding the group together. I'm just curious, out of that group of players that are kind of new to the lineup, and we can even include Jace Howerluck in that list, Tyler Grayback and Mark Michaelis, that group of guys, like who's been the most impressive? Has it been Highmore for you since we've come back from COVID? I think so. You know what? Howerluck's looked pretty good too, though, man. And he, he was looking good before the break too. So, yeah, I, I'm going to go Highmore, um, but the bar's low. The bar is low with that bottom six right now. And you feel you feel for Travis a bit because he's kind of having to construct a bottom six on the fly and kind of change it up every night, it seems like, and just nothing's really sticking. And again, that's a personnel issue, right? Like, that's not a coaching issue. That is a personnel issue. So 
like I feel for Travis a bit when you look at what's in the bottom six, but if you're asking me who has impressed me the most, it's definitely Highmore, and I don't know if that's partly because I just hadn't seen him much before other than in the bubble, but yeah, I, I'm going to go with Matthew Highmore. Yeah, I mean, I think that Jimmy Vesey's play still has impressed me quite a bit. I think just the way that he's... He's, I think that he does a lot of good work around just kind of like your own defensive blue line. Like, I'm not even really sure what area of the ice to call this. Kind of the neutral zone to defensive zone area where, like, I think he does a lot of really good small things in the defensive zone. And that's the type of player that I would like to have in the bottom six, right? A lot of a guy who's not going to make a ton of mistakes. He's able to, to do some things in the offensive zone when he gets some opportunities. But the thing that I've liked about VC, and out of that group, VC's been the one that's impressed me the most, is just his ability in the defensive zone. Like, it, it's really stuck out to me how his blade is so active in the play, and it's kind of always disrupting passing lanes or just players on the boards. I mean, he's a big guy. He might not be the most physical guy, but he's big, right? And that reach really helps him quite a bit in the defensive zone. So, like, out of them, if I was if I was looking into next year and being like, I wonder which player I'd like to keep around in our bottom six, I'm kind of leaning towards Jimmy VC for sure as that guy. Really? I... I, I haven't been impressed with Jimmy VC, especially in these last two games. He, like, I, I don't want to rag on the guy, but what's he done that's impressed you? Like, what have you liked about Jimmy VC in the last two games? I think it's, I still think it's the play. I think it's the defensive play, the little things. He, he hasn't put up a lot on the board lately, and, you know, that's, that's unfortunate because he's been given an opportunity to, you know, skate with JT Miller, skate with Brock Besser, skate on some pretty good lines. He's been moved down recently, but I actually really like what he's kind of done to bring that fourth line together a little bit with Boyd and Vertanen as well, right? I mean, that's the line that we saw start the game. We saw that play in the Toronto game. The second one, I believe, was the first time we saw that line together, and that has just changed the fourth line that we've seen in Vancouver for so long when, you know, for a long time we saw Jay Beagle and Eric and Louis Erickson playing on a fourth line and you're like wow like comparing that speed to what we see now with vc boyd and vertanen like i i compare that to fourth lines that we've seen the canucks have to pay for in the past and if you're moving forward and you're paying vc one to 1.2 million and you're paying boyd one million dollars and vertanen two and a half like you got a fourth line that's making under five million dollars for the first time in a long time in vancouver and i like that fourth line better than we've seen in the past five years really anything that the canucks have put on the ice on their fourth line yep that's fair Okay, that's fair. But then to your to your point though, like maybe Highmore fits it even better. Like maybe Highmore makes even more sense than than Jimmy well, VC on a fourth line. Well, I have a question for you now, Chris. If you're going into next year, and a lot of these guys are expiring deals, remember that, right? Like Jimmy VC, Travis Boyd, expiring deals. If you're going into next year, you can only keep one. Okay, you can only keep one bottom six player, current bottom six player on the Vancouver Canucks and bring him into next year. You're going to lose everybody else. You can't re-sign them. They're not coming back. You have to fill that with other people. And we're not going to get into who you fill it with. You can only keep one for next year and longer term. You can't count Tyler Mott. Who are you keeping? Who? Um, so what would we say? Like a two-year deal, right? Like you don't want to go yeah. very long for a... For and you a can't guy. say Brandon Sutter. You can't say Brandon uh, Sutter. Sorry. Yeah, I got, enough, I got enough flack uh, for, for this earlier, the week earlier the episode earlier this that week. was that was funny i was reading the replies to the episode and like i wanted to like them because i find it funny but it's also like okay these people were saying some pretty mean stuff like people were like hey screw you chris and i was like a lot of people okay, like, this is this is what happens people will read the title and they immediately said it i don't think a lot of people listen to the the reasoning behind it <laughs> and maybe if the people did listen to the reasoning behind it they, they would have been but if you did if you're one of the people that did listen and tweeted at me called me an idiot or whatever you did 
I appreciate you. I appreciate you listening, and I appreciate you having a disagreement about it. But I do stand by what I said. If in the certain situation that I laid out, I felt like the third line wouldn't hurt. The, the one of the better comments I got back was, "Have you forgotten about Brandon Sutter's injury history?" And maybe a little bit at the time I did, right? Like, you know how how healthy is he going to be as he gets older? Here, that person had a really good point in a reply. So, yeah, t- sorry to get back to your question. Jake Furtan is not the guy that I can choose, right? No, you can't choose Jake. Okay, so yeah, out of that group that we've been kind of touching on, I think it's Jimmy VC still for me. I think it is. I mean, I, I I tend to lean a little bit towards Travis Boyd just from the fact that he's able to play center. Um, but I like VC. I like VC on the penalty kill. I I like a lot of the things that he does. Just 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 little things. Just little. Th- he does a lot of the little things better than Louis Erickson. But he's also able to skate and, and use that big body as he's going around the ice. So I think I would go with Jimmy VC. Like I. I wouldn't hate the Canucks having a two-year extension on Jimmy VC at somewhere around a million dollars. Or or honestly, they probably don't even have to go to two years. I think that he's the type of guy who is going to have to sign a one-year, $1.1 million deal going into next season. And I think the Canucks might want to kind of explore that a little bit. Yeah, okay. I don't hate your Jimmy VC answer. I really don't. But maybe I'm just way too high on Highmore. But I think... <laughs> I think you're starting to see signs that it's going to be Matthew Highmore who you want longer term in your bottom six out of those guys. And man, I don't know because there's Jace Howerluck, there's Travis Boyd, and there's Jimmy VC. That's kind of who I've narrowed it down to out of right. out of these ones we're talking about. And man, it those are four guys that I think all give you very similar stuff. And I'm I'm not I'm not trying to sound the alarm. But man, do you remember Botch talking about the Sea of Grandlands and how you had to drain the Sea of Grandlands? Yeah. We're starting to get back to the Sea of Grandlands, man. We're starting to get back to these replacement level players who we're talking so, so much about all over the bottom six and you have no stability in your bottom six. You got to drain the Sea of Grandlands. You can't build it back up. And the Cox did drain the Sea of Grandlands, it felt like, for a while there, didn't it? So now you see these guys coming back and there's... You know, they're filling the bottom six of these guys. I get there's some injuries. I get that they're going to be adding Pod Colson, and that's going to help them drain the tub a little bit. But the Sea of Grandlands, man, I'm telling you that. some I, I think I read that somewhere. Someone someone referenced this bottom six as the Sea of Grandlands 2.0, and I, I don't think they're very far off. Yeah, I think the big problem was the Sea of Grandlands kept sneaking into the top six. Right, That was the biggest problem back in the <laughs> yes. time. And you know what? Right now, they kind of are as well, right? I mean, Highmore's slipped right back into it. So, yeah, I think that's a great point of reference for sure because it is starting to see the Sea of Grandlands sneak their way back into the top six, which isn't a great thing uh, to happen for sure. Uh, I'm not really sure where I want to go from here, but I wanted to to kind of round out the conversation about these, these lower-level players, these bottom six players that are starting to contribute on the Vancouver Canucks and make the comparison to what we might expect from Cole Lind. Right, I mean, you look at Mark Michaelis the other night. He gets into action with the Roussel injury, and what does Michaelis do? He ends up hopping in the lineup and playing for five minutes and twenty-two seconds. Tyler Grayback's already gotten to a game since they've returned. He played four minutes and fifty-one seconds. I know Jace Howerluck is under ten minutes average ice time. I think he should stay in the lineup. But if your options are Tyler Grayback, Mark Michaelis, and Cole Lind, I don't know what world you're not choosing Cole Lind to get into that spot. I mean, he. He's improved a lot over his past handful of years here since you know being in the Canucks organization, coming up through the AHL and now to the NHL on the taxi squad. He's just a step away, 
and you're going to go out there and throw Mark Michaelis and Tyler Gray back on the ice instead of him. It does not make sense to me. Cole Lynn's 100% healthy. He was able to stay away from COVID. I just, at this point, I think it was going it was going to take a loss, I think, for, for Cole Lynn to get into the lineup. You're in game two now against the Ottawa Senators. There should be no excuse why Cole Lind isn't on the ice with them. I can't disagree with you. I, again, we're looking at the sea of Grandlands here, Chris. Change it up. Like, change it up, see what sticks. And I think that's kind of the mentality that the Canucks have had with their bottom six over the past three games. And nothing's really stuck, if you know what I mean. So, you, yeah, try Cole Lind. Like, what, what do you have to lose? You, yeah, go for it. But, yeah, kind of to round out the conversation. By the way, we're, we're joined on this episode by Fabian, you say the name? <laughs> yeah, I got some practice ever since last episode. I also wrote it down on a piece of paper. And what do you call it when you when you write it out, how it sounds? Do you know what that's called? I forget what it's called. Phonetics or something? I don't know. I should know that. I don't. Yeah, something like that. All right, let me let me try this again. I, I feel like I nailed it on the interview, which people are just about to hear. We'll get to that uh, in just a minute here. Fabian Lucell. Interesting. Uh, you know, Swedish, Swedish prospect who's going to be... He's he's in top tens of a lot of people's draft rankings. He's basically, I think, a for sure bet to go in the top fifteen. And to hear him talk about some of the Vancouver Canucks, like Niels Huglander and Elias Pettersson, like it, it's kind of insane. And and like to hear these young guys be like, "Oh yeah, like I grew up watching Elias <laughs> Pettersson." I'm like, I'm like, "Oh no!" I'm like, "Oh no!" Like like my co-host Quads didn't even grow up watching Elias yeah. Pettersson. He was grown by the time. That, happens. that so makes they, me feel old. Yeah. Holy smokes. I think this oh one, I know you tried to call the Botchford Project recipients kids. This might be your time, Quads. <laughs> like, maybe I should let you throw to this kid because it, it is a real kid. And, and man, really awesome conversation with him. We talked a little bit of golf. We talked a little bit of U18 stuff that's going on. Um, I, I really enjoyed the conversation with this kid. A confident young kid who, who didn't get a lot of minutes in the SHL this past year. Absolutely ripped up the J20 before he left. And he's got a nice little release on his shot. There's definitely some things that he needs to work on. And he kind of talked about a few of those in the interview. So I guess we'll kind of just throw right into it. I mean, yeah. man, the kid, yeah. If, if you don't get a chance, like, go on Twitter and just search up his name and watch some of these highlights of some of these goals that he scores. I mean, the kid's got a, a great little release, good hands, skates well, and uh, might be there for the Vancouver Canucks at the 2021 NHL entry draft. So we'll we'll throw to break right now. We'll, we'll get our ads out of the way, and then we'll, we'll come back on the other side with my interview with Fabian Lucille. Uh, so let's get right to it. Uh, we'll see you guys on the other side. Let's throw to some ads and then go straight into the interview. All right. You guys all know about Parallel 49 Beer from our commercials here on the show. And now we have a new announcement. Hello, Peach Bod. That's right. It's not all about the Beach Bod this summer. It's all about the Peach Bod this summer. This one's an interesting one, folks. A sparkling peach ale. So you're getting a beer with peach flavor on it. But it's also high in carbonation. It's definitely a different one. And I highly recommend going out there and giving it a try. If you're into a peach flavored beer. And that's something you know I'm pretty damn into. I got to get out and try it myself pretty soon here. I will report back on the show about this. Uh, so go out there and try the peach bod for yourself. From Parallel 49 Beer. Check them out on Instagram. At Parallel 49 as in the numbers. And then beer. That's Parallel 49 Beer. And be sure to check out their website. For more information about how you can get beer through Uber Eats. That's right. Through those food delivery apps. Uber Eats. You can get your delivery from Parallel 49 Beer. Be sure to check out their website, Parallel49Brewing.com. That's Parallel, the numbers 49Brewing.com. The pandemic and a slow economy are making it tough on a lot of people to find steady, good-paying work. But one industry is bucking that trend 
Construction companies are hiring and need more workers than ever before. Upload your resume to icba.ca and get noticed. With more than 3,000 employers on our ICBA team, our employment network can connect you to businesses crewing up for the 2021 construction season. Trades jobs that pay well, offer excellent benefits, invest in safety training, and give a firm career foundation. Check out icba.ca slash jobs. All right, guys, joining me now on the show, coming up at the 2020 NHL Entry Draft, he's definitely going to be one of the high picks at the draft. He's currently calling from Texas as he's at the U18 tournament with Sweden. Fabian Lucell. Fabian, how are you doing today? Yeah, thank you, man. I'm uh, I'm doing great. I'm uh, at a hotel here in Texas, and uh, we have had um, some meetings this today, and uh, we're going to have a practice later today and uh, get ready for the game tomorrow against uh, the state. So everything is going uh, great. That's awesome, man. And that's a big matchup in your pre-tournament game against the United States in Texas. Like, uh, how excited are you just to get that game going? Yeah, obviously, I'm really excited to to get going. I think it's it's going to be a good test for for the team directly. Uh, you know, playing against the the states is here in Texas is obviously a big one. So I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. And how uh, how is the team looking over there for Sweden? You guys have quite a few uh, very skilled U18 players on that team. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We have a we have a stacked team. I think we have a lot of skill in. In the team, I think we we have had um, a good good kind of like week before coming to the Texas, and uh, we have worked with the team. So I think everything uh, should be fine tomorrow. I think um, yeah, I think we're just gonna keep developing as the tournament uh, goes by. Absolutely. And how excited is it for you to to kind of get away from the SHL and get over into these uh, you know Team Sweden teams, the U eighteen team? You must be pretty excited to be one of the leaders on this squad. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Obviously, I think um, SHL is is another level. I think you know playing against men is obviously uh, tougher, but I think this is also a really great level. So I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to to get going. I think um, you know with SHL level, I think that you have to be you have to be prepared every day. And uh, I think uh, as the situation were for me in the later stage of this season, I think uh, going to this tournament is a perfect suit for me right now. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, good time for you to showcase your talents for the upcoming draft. How excited has that kind of been? Like, has that been on the back of your mind all year long that the draft is just around the corner here? I think that, you know, now the, the time comes closer. I think uh, I've had a pretty long uh, season, obviously, with uh, the transition and the move to another team um, has been... Uh, a fun ride, I think. Um, this season started off in, at the junior level in Frontland and uh, mm-hmm. at the SHL level at Lulu. So I think that as the time goes by, you might you might uh, start thinking about it a little bit more. Since uh, you know, since this is obviously the the last kind of games I play this season before before it's over. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely, man. And that's that's a really big jump in, in competition going from that J20 league that you were in up to the SHL. What were some of the things that you found the hardest making that transition? I think I think just that you get punished for everything you do on the ice. You know, if you if you make a mistake uh, defensively, I think you're going to get punished and the uh, other team's going to score uh, most of the times. And um, with the puck, you, you don't get as much t- uh, time with the puck. You have to you know, be able to make decisions quicker out there. I think that's the two main reasons. And obviously the the physical game, I think uh, 
the guys are stronger, obviously it meant. So yeah, that's also on, a, on a, another level. And uh, on your first goal that you scored in the SHL, it was quite the uh, celebration. I could see a lot of happiness on your face. What did that mean kind of just growing up in Sweden and finally getting that first SHL goal? Yeah, it was obviously a special one for me, especially since it was against my former team. So uh, pretty surreal feeling, to be honest. But um, yeah, now I'm just kind of looking forward to the tournament. Absolutely. And, you know, obviously it's one of the best leagues in the world, the SHL. Uh, what were some of the things when you made the jump from junior to the SHL that you were like, you know what, these are the things that I need to get better at? Yeah, the the things I mentioned earlier, I think that those are the three main reasons. But, you know, you just have to, to do make your decision a lot faster at that level, I think. Um, I guess the boards and stuff like that, you get so much less time, you know, uh, with the puck and... Um, yeah, so just those little things that, you know, the tempo is much higher. That's mm-hmm. that's like the main reason. And, um, yeah, yeah what really thing, separates uh, men's league from Euro level. For sure. I mean, a big thing that I've talked about with a lot of prospects coming up is, you know, the yeah. adjustment to how quick you need to make those decisions, right? Was that kind of the first thing that shocked you a little bit about the SHL? Was like, wow, I got to be really fast with the puck here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And also, as I mentioned defensively, I think, you get punished a lot harder, even though there are a lot of skilled players yeah. in, at the uh, junior level. You know, if you if you don't have your have your guy that you are supposed to be defending, he can just jump right off if it, if it's like a defender or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can just jump uh, in the offensive zone for him, and he can just get the puck and uh, make a good shot or whatever. So uh, those things are are really important. Absolutely. And as you made your transition, one of the things that I found uh, you did at your best in the J20 leagues was just that that one move that you do to get to your shot. You seem to kind of drag on the forehand and bring it back for a wrist shot. Is that kind of your go-to move to get your shot off? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that's um, one of the most comfortable things to do when you try to get your shot off. Just take it from the back into the forehand and try to get get it off. So yeah, for sure. And how is it that you work on your shot? I know a lot of different people like to do a different approaches at working on your shot. Is it something that you work a ton of time in in the off season? Yeah, I think uh, actually my shot is. I think I have to develop it uh, a lot more. I think it's mm. uh, not um, fairly developed uh, as much as it can be for right now. But uh, that's also one thing that keeps the motivation going to you know score more goals, especially when you move up up in the. At level, I think uh, next year I'm really looking forward if I play in SHL to to get those opportunities more often and uh, to be able to capitalize on them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I, I'm guessing that that's one of the spots where you want to be more, I guess used more would be on the power play moving forward, right? In the SHL, you didn't really get a ton of time this year, but is that something for next year that you want to be on the power play unit? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think that uh, they had a lot of good players in, in Lulu where – they can get the opportunity in the power play, but um, you know, guys like Nils Lundqvist, who's drafted by New York, he's he has played uh, a ton of minutes in power play in Lulu and he's made it really good. So hopefully next year I might get the shot, but uh, we will see about that. <laughs> Most definitely, and we saw one of the the Canucks players here in Vancouver, Nils Huglander, came over from having a good SHL season. Uh, is it kind of just like that for you as well? Like you were, you know, a young player coming into the SHL, and Nils kind of did it in a similar way, where he came in at 17 years old, learned for a couple of years, and then made a really good jump to the NHL. Is that something that you want to do as well? Just a couple of years in the SHL, and then come right over to the NHL and play? 
Yeah, I think uh, I think that's uh, like that's one of the better you know kind of developing uh, if you want to do like that. But you know, I I just hopefully I will you know get to a good spot and uh, we will see what uh, the developing keep uh, keep growing. But uh, yeah, that's for sure one of the one of the um, opportunities that I can have, and hopefully I will I will use it. And when you were growing up, did you watch much more of the SHL or the NHL? Uh, I think I've always watched more NHL. Obviously, I think yeah. I watched the highlights since I was uh, little. I think most most guys at my age uh, that plays a lot do that. So yeah, for sure NHL. But you know, um, as I've grown older, I think I've watched uh, more SHL as well. So I think I have uh, a good uh, combination of both of them. <laughs> That's awesome. Did uh, growing up like my, one of the my favorite Swedish players to watch was here in Vancouver and Marcus Naslin. I think he was a little bit before your time. But what were some of the guys that you enjoyed watching in the SHL when you were a kid? In the SHL, yeah, or in the SHL? SHL maybe. Oh, some of the guys. SHL. I think uh, Elias Pettersson. Uh, when he was uh, when he was playing here, uh, I think it was the year after his draft year. He was pretty spectac- spectacular. So yeah, definitely, definitely him. So he he like we know him here in Vancouver as quite the superstar. Was he also a superstar at 18 years old in Sweden? Yeah, he was. He he made a move from uh, Hockey in Sweden to mm-hmm. uh, to SHL uh, where he just dominating i think he won the like the mvp uh i think won the scoring league and the mvp in the playoffs so he kind of he kind of made made his mark in the in the shl uh i think he only played there one season before going to nhl yeah absolutely then he made you know a very good transition to the nhl as well and i think that's what a lot of people were worried about him saying that he was too small and he wasn't going to be tough enough for the nhl but that's that's mm. said about a lot of Swedish players lately, and I feel like it's it's really changing. Like you guys are coming over, and and nobody's worried about you guys being tough enough anymore. Do you kind of feel that way as well? <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. I think the Swedes are a lot tougher than uh, many people think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, no, for sure. I mean, he's obviously one of the most skilled players in, in in the NHL. So for him, it's it's uh, it's gone pretty good. So hopefully. Um, uh, a lot more Swedes can do can do the same for sure. Yeah, I mean, we see more and more every year. It's one of my favorite sports to watch. I mean, favorite leagues to watch around the world, aside from the NHL, obviously, is the SHL. Just because it feels like you know, with the extra space, it's more of a skilled game. Do you kind of see that as well, like a little bit of a different way of hockey? Yeah, I think actually, I think that SHL is might a little bit more defensive minded. Okay. I think the team or. Uh, they are like they're really focusing on the defensive game because, as I said earlier, if you if you made a, made a mistake uh, defensively, you're gonna get punished. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think uh, that's the thing that kind of separates it from NHL. From what I've seen, I think NHL are a lot special teams and uh, you know going back and forth. But I think both both leagues are uh, high skill leagues for sure. Yeah, especially both. NHL. Yeah, both very fun to watch. When when you were a kid watching NHL, what were some of the players or maybe some of the teams that you liked watching a lot when you were a kid? Uh, I think um, for now, I think it's mostly like uh, guys like McDavid and uh, right. Morner stuff like that. Uh, I think uh, they've been in the league for for uh, not so many years, but um, I follow them like watching highlights and stuff. So yeah, for sure them. But I don't have uh, any favorite team 
Well, that's good. Maybe it'll be Vancouver one day. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think Vancouver is uh, right off there. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, a lot of a lot of great Swedish players have come through here. Um, to kind of talk about it, like, what do you think about the roster for the Vancouver Canucks right now? You just talked about Pedersen a little bit, but you know some other scores like Brock Besser, and maybe what do you think about the transition that that Niels Huglander has made this year? I mean, he jumped right in and has looked really good in his rookie NHL season. Yeah. So as I said earlier, I think that SHL has a, such a high level. Like in that league, so I think that uh, if you if you compete well there and you can dominate there, I think yeah, the move to NHL is is better and more more simple for you. So I was not surprised that he he made the roster directly and um, like kind of impresses. So yeah, um, I think yeah, he's one of the guys in Vancouver that uh, has a bright future for sure. And also like Queen Hughes, I I watch him uh, even though he's a defender, he's also really good. Yeah, very offensive defenseman. That's probably why you like him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, it's, it's been good to chat with you, man. And I wanted to ask just kind of a couple other rapid-fire questions. Love to get to know you. Like, growing up, did you ever watch any North American TV shows to learn English? Your English is amazing, by the way. I'm not sure how long you've been working on it. <laughs> I don't know about that, but... Uh, <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> I actually try to, uh, if I look at, uh, like, movies and stuff, I try to maybe have... Um, English subtitles or something like that to you know just to get the the free practice. I think that's uh, might the the reason why it's uh, okay. But uh, I don't know. Not really any favorite movies then growing up, or what were some of them? Uh, I think that uh, Wolf of Wall Street has always been oh, one of yeah. the go tos. I think I watched it like twenty times, so <laughs> definitely that's for sure. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of the best ones for sure. I think they took it yeah. off Netflix, and I was pissed about it. They took what? I think they took it off of Netflix, and I wasn't very happy about that. They did? Yeah. I, I watched it on Netflix like three times, but they might have <laughs> removed it right now. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, I know. It's been tough. So what What are you kind of keeping busy with off the ice now? You're in Texas. Are you watching some TV shows, just keeping busy? What's up? Um, now, when the weather is bad as well, I think we just you know um, try to get as much rest as possible. We have like a... Um, sort of meeting room with the mm-hmm. team so we can play ping pong and stuff like that to to get the ca- time going i think um yeah we just try to get stay busy that's good who's the king of the ping pong table right now for the team i honestly have to say myself there i think uh <laughs> i'm on uh, another level there to be honest <laughs> no one's even close eh? <laughs> nah no i don't think so okay I'll, I'll have to note that down the hand-eye coordination you must have good hand-eye then yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, that's good. I kind of wanted to look towards next year a little bit as well. As you're you're coming back for that second year in the SHL, do you have any goals for yourself next season? I think, um, you know, just uh, try to get the ice time up. I think I want to make a may I want to make a bigger impact next year. Mm-hmm. I think um, you know I I try to get the. A good tournament going here and then going back to Sweden and start the off season training and try to maybe. Uh, you know, grow a few pounds and stuff like that to to be more prepared next year, and uh, hopefully, I will I will continue to develop so um, so I can make that jump. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm really excited for next year. Absolutely, man. I think a lot of us are to the who have been following you and watching you this year. So that's going to be exciting to see. And and now that, like we said, we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier about the draft coming up. But I mean, at this point in your life, like you must have been playing hockey. Like when did you start playing hockey in your life? I think I started at three or four 
Wow. So to get to this point now, like, what does it mean now to have the NHL draft just around the corner? Is it, I mean, has it been a, an exciting kind of time for you? Like, especially as you're about to go into the off season here, you're just going to kind of wait and, and see what team picks you, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, you know, um, the guys who have, you know, been through this jersey uh, journey, I've, have felt the same. So it's just, uh, uh, like, uh, unrealistic feeling, but, um, I'm just looking forward to it uh, a lot. Absolutely. Has that kind of been the lifelong dream for you growing up playing hockey? Uh, yeah, I think so. That's that's awesome. Have you have you been able to talk to anyone else who has kind of gone through the process of being drafted? Like, do you have any friends that were recently drafted? Um, I mean, we have uh, we had a few players from Fronda that got drafted uh, before my move. So I, I you know, I talked to them and uh, some guys the year before that. So. Um, you know, I've been in an uh, environment that uh, has a lot of good uh, young prospects. So, yeah, definitely I've, I've spoken to them and, uh, and stuff like that. So, yeah, for sure. Wow. And then they all, they, they all have told me that, uh, you know, um, it's one of the, the better experiences from, from playing hockey to, to just um, get that uh, motivation, the motivation to, to try to make uh, the, the next level. Yeah, heck yeah, man, that's awesome. What would it, I mean, I'm not sure how, how many people you know about Vancouver, lots of Swedish background here, we've drafted a lot of Swedish players in the past, what would it mean for you to get drafted by a team like Vancouver that has had the Sedins, Marcus Naslin, Pedersen now, and Huglander now, Alex Edler, like what would it mean to be another Swede on that group? I think uh, that would be a surreal feeling. I, you know, I can't imagine that for now, but uh, uh, I'm hopefully I will... I'm, I might get that opportunity and uh, then I will be uh, really grateful. So with the, with the Swedes have been there in the history and stuff like that, it's, um, it's, uh, it's a big thing for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess we'll just kind of wrap up with some non-hockey questions here. Um, any other sports that you like to play? Did you play any other sports growing up? Yeah, I played, um, I played a lot actually, but, um, for now I think I play paddle tennis, if you know what that is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, during the summer I play golf. Um, I played a lot of foot soccer growing up. Um, yeah, I, I would say those four. Um, actually, I played a lot of golf uh, growing up. Okay, that's good. I played a lot of golf myself. How's your game? What's What's the worst part of your golf game? The worst part of my <laughs> golf game. Oof, that's uh, that's a tough question. I I might have to say that putting i think that's the most boring one so you don't practice this as much as you you do the other things yeah most definitely so what's the drive how far does the drive go for you Oof. <laughs> i don't know now i i haven't played in a while but um maybe let's say um 300 yards no not that long uh <laughs> 290 yards 290 at, perfectly at straight yeah. every time yeah, <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Well, that's uh, that's one person that uh, can actually hit a good drive. I don't know many people that can hit a good driver like that. <laughs> I don't know about yours. Yeah. In meter, it's like uh, maybe two two eighty. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah. The problem with mine is mine kind of flies like a hockey stick curve. Like it doesn't go straight. <laughs> I think not. 
none of us can uh, t- can aid a strike drive. Only the pros can do that. Yeah, otherwise we wouldn't be talking about NHL drafts. We'd be talking about the PGA Tour. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome, Fabio. Well, this has been a great conversation, man. Appreciate you taking some time. And uh, from Vancouver, I just want to say, man, if your name's up there on the draft and the Canucks are going up to pick, I, I hope it's you. Uh, from what we've seen so far, you've had you know a great start to your uh, to your SHL career and been watching you for the past couple of years. So uh, I wish you luck in the tournament here, and I wish you luck in the draft, man. Hopefully we see your name called pretty soon. Thank you, man. Uh, it was a pleasure to, uh, to get to know you and be, be on the show. For <laughs> Absolutely. Sure. Thanks a lot. And thank you very much to Fabian Lucell for joining us there. He's got a busy week, quads. It's going to be fun. Uh, like, I haven't been diving too much into the draft as much as I thought it was going to be, but... If the Canucks start losing again, uh, you know, I'm going to start getting into the draft hard to see who they should pick in the top 10 slot. But this weekend is the U18s they're going to open up. And, and like uh, like Fabian said there, uh, you know, they're jumping right into it against the United States. So the U18 tournament kicking off this weekend in Texas, the Lone Star State. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun tournament to follow and uh, definitely keep our eyes on that. But I do want to... Uh, I want to make you happy on this Friday night quads as we're getting into it here. And uh, we can talk goaltenders if you want. Uh, Canucks went back with Thatcher Demko in game three of their return from COVID after two great games for Braden Holtby. And Demko, I thought, looked fine. You know, a couple power play goals against him there. But what did you think about starting Thatcher Demko? Do you think it might have been a little bit too soon for him coming back? A guy who... You know, wasn't in the lineup game one against the against the Leafs. Was there game two? Was the backup? Um, do you think it was a little bit rushed for him? Because we're still seeing Tyler Mott be kept out of the lineup due to COVID, you know, repercussions and what's been going on with him ever since he contracted the virus. So, do you think it might have been too soon for Thatcher Demko coming back? I didn't think that based on his performance, Chris. But his post game interview, man, I have never. And th- okay, listen. A lot of people were talking about Thatcher Demko's post-game interview, and people were like, oh my gosh, look how, listen how quiet and, and dead he sounds. Thatcher Demko always sounds like that after a game, even when they've won, but especially after they've lost, he talks really quietly, and he talks really low, and he almost like... Well, you know what it is, it's when they it's when they put him out by himself after a loss. Oh my gosh, yeah. You know, like, this, a lot of the times they'll put him out with, you know, Brock, or they'll put him out with Bo, and, and he's a lot more lively, and he kind of like reads off of the other guys a little bit. But it's just, I, I hate that. That's the worst time to talk to a goalie. Like, it's not like he let the team down. Yeah. He just let in two goals on the power play, and you're going to send him out by himself in a loss? I That's one of the things that I don't like when we have to talk to Thatcher Demko. It's like, what are you going to get out of him after that, right? Like, it's the worst time to do a post-game interview with a player. Yeah, exactly. But we always get the goaltender. We get the goaltender after every single yeah, game. Fair. No matter the result, that's how it works, which is fine. Which is fine. That being said... I don't think when I looked at Thatcher Demko's post-game interview, like, I saw some... The only thing that seemed out of the ordinary to me, Chris, was that he seemed out of breath. And, you know, that's probably just something that was a COVID symptom. But what I will say, if you're asking me, did he come back too soon, I would say no, based on his on-ice performance. I don't think his on-ice performance makes you raise an eyebrow and say, oh, well, if Braden Holtby was in that, maybe they win that game. You can't win if you don't score any goals. And the Canucks didn't score any goals past Matt Murray on Thursday night, okay? That's right. that's a fact. That You're not going to win a game if you can't score any goals. So his on-ice performance makes me say no. His post-game interview makes me say, yeah, maybe, maybe he needs a little bit more time off. I'm curious to see, Chris, do they go back to Braden Holtby on Saturday or do they ride with their starter? who they've just signed long-term and make him, you know, 
make it clear you're our guy. You're still our guy. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna be very curious. I. I think they go back to Holtby just from the circumstances that they've been put in. And and speaking of Holtby, I'm sure that you've seen this report from from Kevin Woodley, our friend, main, mainly your friend. Um, when he talked about he talked about this with Braden Holtby exactly when he wrote a report about what goaltenders go through in a full game. Right? Did you do you remember this? How Braden Holtby said that he loses between eight to ten pounds of water weight every single game, and like how that can yes, impact yep. your body that much. And maybe if, if Thatcher wasn't, you know, didn't get the extra time to get back on the ice and be ready, I just wonder if that was just a little bit too draining for him as we talked to him in media. And yes, you mentioned it. He's, you know, there are times where after a loss, specifically when his team puts up zero goals, where, you know, he just looks, he just looks like that, right? He just looks like that. I, I wouldn't look too much into how he looked at the podium in post game, but I'm just like thinking about that, like, you know, eight to 10 pounds of water weight after your body's just taken absolute beating. I think it. I think it's back to Holtby uh, Saturday night against the against the Sens. To be honest, I think that's the right move. I, I'm with you. And another thing about Holtby, Chris, is historically through his career, Holtby's one been a pretty streaky goaltender, and two, he's a guy who thrives on a big workload. And he hasn't really had a huge workload in Vancouver. Now he's starting to figure out, starting to put it together, getting that work in with Ian Clark, and really starting to figure some stuff out. I think you have to ride with Holtby here, and. You know, I I think my take before was pretty good about how he was only Holtby was only going to play back to backs. Now it's going to be a little different, obviously. But I think based on how he played in those two games against Toronto, you you've got to go back to Holtby. I think, and you know, give Demko a little more time. I I I think it's almost like a win win situation. I don't think Demko would feel disrespected by Holtby going back in. It's just Holtby's the hot goaltender right now. And you don't want to lose that fire, especially if you're thinking you're going on any sort of playoff push. Good luck doing it with one goaltender. You need both your goaltenders. So go with Holtby. I think you do go with Holtby in this game. And then it's back to Demko. Yeah, I want to, I kind of want to get, well, I'm not going to get away from the goaltender conversation because I want to tie this into it. But if we were to look at the three top prospects that are a step away from playing for the Canucks right now, it's Cole Lind, it's Jack Rathbone, and it's Mikey DiPietro. All of them on the taxi squad right now, right? So they are very quick options to get into the lineup for the Vancouver Canucks. The obvious answer of the question that I wanted to ask was, who would you like to see the most get into the lineup? It's Mikey DiPietro, right? The guy hasn't played a game all year. I'm pretty sure you agree with me on that. But I want to change the question up a little bit. If you had to bet on it, shout out to our friends at Odd Shark. We'll get to them in a minute. Um, if you had to bet on it, would it be Cole Lynn playing first, Jack Rathbone playing first, or Mikey DiPietro playing first as we move forward here? Because one of them, if not all of them, are going to get into games this year. Who do you think you would put the money on will get into the lineup first? Cole Lind, for sure. If I'm putting money on it, Cole Lind. Absolutely Cole Lind. But I, I'd put money that DiPietro doesn't get a start. Hmm. Like I, I, I yeah. is that out of is that out of the realm of possibility, Chris? Listen, Travis Green doesn't have a contract, man. Like he's gonna want to win every game that he plays, right down to the final stretch. Right. I don't think he's gonna start Di Pietro. Um, and just kind of knowing Jim and how everything operates, I, I don't really see there being a scenario where he steps down and says, "Hey, you've got to start Di Pietro tonight," because that's not really fair to do to your coach, especially when he's coaching for a new job and he needs a contract i i think there's a real possibility that we don't see di pietro this year chris for one game anywhere right that's the thing not only like to the nhl but 
man, the dude isn't going to end up going, what's it going to be? It's going to be close to like 18 months, 20 months almost of not yeah, like playing it's well in over one game. 400 days. It's right? almost 420 days. I mean, we look into the off season, we look into what we're going to have to wait for all the way until the fall of next year for him to likely be back in the AHL to start the year. Like, man, it's, it's a really tough spot to look at how they've, how they've walked their way through the Mikey DiPietro situation here. It's, it's been bad. It like there's no other word. Like it's just been bad the way that they've worked their way through this. I can't believe that we've gotten to this point. We're in near the end of April, and we're still talking about Mikey DiPietro not getting any games. This this was a conversation basically three weeks into the season, right? Like you know, like oh he can't be there for that long. Well, sure he'll get down. They did it with Jack. They sent him down to the AHL. He had a great run there. It felt like Mikey was going to get the same thing, right? And just hasn't happened. Like this is an absolute. I don't want to say wasted year because he's gotten to be with Ian Clark quite a bit, but you got to take what you're learning and putting into practical form. And he just hasn't been able to do that. I, I hate the situation so much, man, that this has happened to him. Archer Silovs. Silovs. Man, I keep saying Silovs. I know it's Silovs. He's with the team now. Got to practice with Ian Clark, Braden Holpe today. I don't know if you, uh, if you caught that. Limited group of skaters at Rogers Arena on Friday morning, and Archer Silovs was out there. So... Yeah, I don't know, Chris. This goaltending thing is fun to follow, but you feel for a guy like Mikey DiPietro, and you you worry a little bit. If you're a Canucks fan, you should be a little bit worried about Mikey DiPietro's development. That being said, I also think there is a lot of benefit in him working with Ian Clark, but you do need to apply those into a game situation at some point, and he he better get into a game. He he better get into a game. That's all I'm going to say. And I don't think he's getting a game with the Comets right now. I don't think he is. I think no. that the fact that St. Louis is down there, they sent Yoel Hofer down there, and Yoel Hofer has been excellent. He had a huge, I think it was 40 save shutout, 3 nothing win on Wednesday night. Huge win for him. This is the Blues prospect that they want to work down there, and I think that has to be part of the agreement with these teams coming together that he's got to get starts, and he's going to get a lot of starts moving forward here because he's been excellent when he's came in and played for the Comets, so... I don't think Mikey's getting sent down because of, you know, quarantine and everything's going to set him up. I don't think he's getting down for any Comets games anytime soon. Do you, would you bet on that? Like, would you take a $10 bet one for one that Mikey DiPietro won't play a game this year? I'm leaning, um, I'm leaning towards it. I, I would bet that he doesn't play in a game. Like he might, yeah, the only spot too. I could really see it is maybe a back to back. He backs up. The Canucks get shellacked. And he comes in for some mop-up time like he had to do against the San Jose Sharks a few, or just last year, I believe. Like, I don't think he gets a start. I don't think Mikey DiPietro no. gets a start this year, and I think that's a huge swing and miss by the organization. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think you're absolutely right on both accounts. I don't think he gets a start, and I think that is a big stain. It's a stinker on this organization. There it is. A stinker. Love to hear it. All right, let's get into uh, the prospects report. Not a lot to report. Vasily Podkolzin played against Belarus. He had an assist in a shellacking of Belarus that Russia had there. Basically, the team that Podkolzin's playing on is pretty much just his KHL team, plus like six to ten other players from around the KHL. Uh, so it's a lot of ska over there. Uh, it's basically just a bunch of them playing together. Like, I was watching ska's Twitter all day long. They're tweeting out all the gifts and all the goals and everything. Like, their mascot at the game and everything. This is basically just ska 2.0. Valerie Bragan's still the coach of this team. Uh, Vasily Podkolzin played on a fourth line. 
didn't get a ton of minutes, got an assist, a primary assist on one of the early goals in the game. Had a, had a good showing. No, nothing really stuck out. He took a high stick at one point in the middle of the game there. Um, looked like a high puck to me, but uh, everyone else seemed to correct me and say it was a high stick. Not really sure. Looked like a puck. Um, but anyways, that was that was the one game that we had earlier today. And then Dmitry Zlodiev, uh, at the time of recording quads, I'm going to guess he's still partying. Um, similar to Goldobin partying earlier today on Instagram Live. I don't know if you caught that. Uh, but Dmitry Zlodiev wins the MHL championship with his team Dynamo Moscow. Uh, Great to see what they were able to do in that tournament. He ended up scoring a goal in that final game, celebrating really hard, uh, talked to him quickly. He just said thanks for uh, the congratulations about it. Um, And he's going to be partying all night. So congrats to him. Hopefully he has a good time. Pretty jealous that that he can actually go out and party. Uh, I mean, the fact that Russia, I don't know what's going on in Russia with COVID, but... They're back to full stands in arenas and able to go to nightclubs. So apparently something's working for them over there. Whatever that, whatever that vaccine, the Russian vaccine. I don't know. Maybe I got to get my hands on that instead. Uh, so. Sputnik. Yeah, the spud. Yeah, whatever they're jabbing in there from Verdansk, I'm down. Uh, so not too much else to report on the prospects. It was nice to see Will Lockwood earlier today. He got two goals after scoring his first goal on Wednesday. Now he has three goals in his last two games. Carson Folk got on the board for his second goal in the AHL. So another nice showing from him. I'll tell you, there's something about Folk that he's a he's a really confident player with his offensive traits. Like he. He loves to shoot the puck. He loves to get into good offensive spots, but he's not afraid to shoot the puck from really anywhere. And that's something that you like to see. He's been doing a really good job in the dot as well uh, as a center in the AHL. So really impressive start for him. A lot of impressive things coming out of Utica right now. So uh, some some good reports for sure. And another thing I just want to say, Jet Wu, there was a bad hit on Tucker. Uh, I forget his first name now with the Comets. Um, but anyways, Tucker got hit, who was playing with Jet Wu. Uh, a bad hit into the corner and you should have seen Jet Wu flying from the other side of the ice just slams the guy like absolutely hammers him like a rugby tackle uh it was so awesome to see Jet Wu uh stick up for his boys because like man that's that's the thing that like people are gonna be like oh what's Jet Wu the best part of his games is defensive ability I'm pretty sure the best part of Jet Wu's game is like him sticking up for his boys like he doesn't like his boys getting messed around with we saw that with Jack Rathbone earlier in the year um, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch Jet Wu for the next couple of years in Utica just develop into this this ultra defensive right shot guy. So very excited. A lot of promising things down on the farm. Uh, so that's all for I got for the prospects report. Quads, why don't you lead us off with um, our betting segment here? Thanks to our friends at Odd Shark. While I take a drink of water because I think that was like three minutes straight. Yeah, OddShark.com. That's the place to be, folks. You go check it out. Go pick up some betting trends. You can look at all of that fine stuff. Figure out base. Basically what you want to bet on with a lot of editorial content. I use it a lot, personally, Chris, because... I don't know if you know this. I'm, I have a confession to make. I'm not very good at betting. Like, I, I've lost a lot of money on Bodog. Mm-hmm. Um, so, friends at Odd Shark, That's the place to be. That's the place to go check it out. Chris, you give us the play of the week or the play of the day or whatever you think. Because I, 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 don't, feel, I don't feel like I'm, I'm in a position to do so. Man, okay. Uh... Who am I going to be? Yeah, I feel bad because I got you into Bodog. Because I was like, oh, I'm going to get the big 200% uh, bonus for bringing someone in. I got you into it. Now you're, I don't know how much deeper you're into it than I am. But I think we're about the same. Uh, so I don't have a great bet of the week either. But um, maybe maybe check out a little bit of golf bets. 
you know, next time uh, there's a big major going on, I don't know when the next major is, but I had some fun betting on golf and, and it made me pay a little bit more attention. Like I had, I bet on some guys finishing in the top 10. I took a couple long shots to win it. Um, and yeah, betting on golf was a little bit of fun. I'm sure Odd Shark, they got a ton of stuff about golf as well. So check it out there. Um, or check out just the best odds that they can find. And the best thing about Odd Shark, they're going to show you all the different betting sites or where you can find your best odds. I think that's the best thing that Odd Shark does. You talk about other things like their reports and their trends and everything. I think the fact that they show all of the sites where you can get the best odds on a game, that's pretty incredible. So that's why I would go check out Odd Shark. That's, um, I think that's it, Quads. Anything else you wanted to add to this week's show? No. This this has been a fun episode. We talked goalie, so I'm happy. Yeah, no, it was great. We had a great guest. Fabian was uh, awesome to chat with him. Excited to see what he does at the U18s. Uh, this is one of the first times I've recorded in shorts for a long time. It's it's nice to be back wearing shorts, man. Like the summers summers just around the corner. I'm not a huge fan of summer because it's so damn hot. But I've showed you the fan that I bought, the, the Amazon metal fan that sounds like a airplane taking off and it is incredible for the room so i'm stoked on that uh just i'm just excited it's short season i love short season man i've been wearing sweatpants for too long now fair enough you you do like your sweatpants i do and i still i feel like i feel like guys should be able to wear basketball shorts more i get it all the time my girlfriend hates it she won't won't let me well she lets me wear them but she doesn't like when i wear basketball shorts out it's just the there's just so comfy like if i'm around the house i'm only wearing basketball shorts Especially in the summer. Interesting. Uh, I, I think I own a couple pair of basketball shorts, but I, I wear more than that just around the house. You know, like I, any any pair of shorts will do, really. Yeah, I just don't like the button shorts. I'm not gonna put on like a a pair of shorts with button with a button on it to close it. Out. I just I like the athletic shorts, man. Maybe that's a big guy thing that you just don't understand. I guess. Fair. Fair. But then again, fair. people people saw the pics of you quads. Maybe you are a big guy here pretty soon. Not in the legs. Not in the legs. Not in the legs. <laughs> well, that's yeah. You'll get them. You'll get the legs one day. First couple of years of working out, it's all it's all arms and upper body, anyways. So yeah. we'll we'll yeah. give you some time. You can work on those legs and when you're in your mid twenties, which are which are coming year, up quick. Year four, <laughs> yeah, year four, absolutely. Year four of the rebuild. <laughs> um, all right, so we'll wrap things up there. Quads, uh, thank you for joining again. It was nice to have uh, Fabian Lice- Lucell join the show. That was a great chat with him. Confident kid. I hope he's there for the Canucks, man. I think that this would be a cool fit with what the Canucks are putting together here. He seems like a middle six type of scorer. Uh, would like to see him at it. He's a great skater. Uh, if they if he's there. I think he's kind of my guy in that 10 to 15 range. So we'll see what happens uh, at the U18 series. See if he raises his stock. He's going to be playing on a stacked Swedish team. He talked about that in the interview. Hopefully you guys all enjoyed that. So for my co-host, David Quadrelli, my name is Chris Faber. And thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry champagne, 
Chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.